Hugh Martin, the Scottish preacher, he emphasized that God made his own son to be a mass of sin. He appeared before the Father as sin from head to toe because he was the sin-bearer of all his people. And there was put to his account all the rottenness of sin, all the guilt of sin, all the corruption of sin, all the vileness of sin, all the hell-worthiness of sin was laid on him. And then you'll notice the, the latter part of the verse, and here's the other part, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. We're on the air today to bring you the message of the gospel from the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. Think of the death of our Lord Jesus as he went to Calvary to bear our sin in his own body upon that tree. I want you to think about the wisdom of the cross. What does it take to lift a man out of the way to hell and bring him to heaven? It takes more to save a soul than to create a soul. It takes more to save a soul than to create a whole world, because our Lord Jesus said that our soul is worth more than the world. What shall a man uh, give for his own soul? Men could never find a way to bridge the great gulf between God and sinners. But God did the unthinkable. He planned the cross. And therein lies the wisdom of God. As the very architect of the world, he designed the greatest of all structures, the cross. And on that cross, the work of redemption was carried out. To the worldly eye, the cross is only a rugged piece of wood a Roman gibbet constructed out of a stake with or without a crossbar. The points of contact to the cross were the nails driven through the hands and feet of the victim that was condemned to suffering. The wisdom of God was not so much in the wood as in the sacrifice of His Son. That was the unthinkable, that the Son of God would become man, taking a human body to enable the Holy Son of God to suffer in the place of sinners. No philosopher could have imagined it. No sage could have addled his brain with such an idea. But that is the very truth of the gospel. God designed the cross to hold up his Son between earth and heaven, that he might be the Savior of the world. Now, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the passage that we're going to be preaching from today, I want you to discover here God's wisdom and plan in the cross. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved... It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? 
hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a st but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And I hope that you will see here from the Bible, from the Scripture itself, that the, the cross is indeed God's mighty act of divine, infinite wisdom. What man would never have schemed, God devised. What man would never have thought possible, God has perfected in the death of his own Son on the cross at Calvary. And we as preachers of the gospel, glory in the cross. We preach Christ crucified. And this is the theme, the message of hope for men and women who need a Savior. And it is the message of salvation to all who will come by faith, trusting in the Lord. Now stay tuned for the message today. But firstly, the old rugged cross, that's our opening hymn. And our Lord Jesus fulfilled that great statement where he said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. He was lifted up from the earth to die. And there he gave himself as a sacrifice. And the definition of the gospel is that he was a substitutionary sacrifice. If you want one word by which I would define the death of the Lord Jesus, that is the essential definition of the gospel, it is the word substitution. That he died in your place, if you're a believer, 
died in my place, died for his people, suffered in his body. Now, there's a world of theology that I could present, but I'm a very simple preacher. I just preach what the Bible states. And I want to give you a, a link of Bible verses that will enable you to define the cross. We'll just look at the verses. Firstly, we have Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Now, sometimes I'm guilty of uh, quoting these texts, and perhaps I don't take enough time. I don't give it the emphasis, and I don't allow it to sink in as it ought. So I want to have you turn here, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. So there's redemption. Here is the person of the Lord Jesus. He's our Redeemer, and he has redeemed us. Notice the us in there. It was for us that he suffered. From the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And this is the heart of the gospel. God, who is infinitely holy, God, who cannot look upon sin, God, who cannot accept you and me because of our sin, God dealt with his Son as a sinner because he transferred to the Lord Jesus your sins and mine. And God made his Son to be a curse. For it is written, everyone that hangeth, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And for us, that we would know no curse. That's the wonder of the gospel. And I don't claim to be a philosopher. I don't claim to be a theologian. I don't claim to have a mind beyond any other. But I can take Galatians 3.13 and rest my case. This is my definition of the gospel. Christ dying in my place, becoming a curse in my place, and redeeming me from my sins. What other verses do we have? Well, let's go back a little, the book before this, to 2 Corinthians 5. And verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. To wit, to know, to understand, to take it in. This is a revelation. This is the great good news of the gospel. And it comes from heaven. Please notice this. This gospel comes from heaven. This wisdom comes from heaven. And we need to know it, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us this word of reconciliation. Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him. That means the Father hath made his Son, the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us. 
Okay, the italics are there in those words to be. Let's read it without italics. For he hath made him sin for us. Hugh Martin, the Scottish preacher, he emphasized that God made his own son to be a mass of sin. He appeared before the Father as sin from head to toe because he was the sin-bearer of all his people. And there was put to his account all the rottenness of sin, all the guilt of sin, all the corruption of sin, all the vileness of sin, all the hell-worthiness of sin was laid on him. And then you'll notice the, the latter part of the verse, and here's the other part, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And here's the Bible's definition of the gospel. Christ crucified, Christ the Lamb, the sin-bearer made a mass of sin, that all our sins would be taken off us, placed on him, judged in him, and we are made righteous. Not just innocent, but positively righteous. Acceptable to God with his glorious righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Now, I have many other verses, and I won't take time to come, but I'll invite you back tonight because we're going to 1 Peter 2, and there are these kinds of verses in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we're going to look at this evening uh, in this whole relation of submission to Christ. And he gets to the cross. My friend, you can't live the Christian life without getting to the cross. You can't understand God without the cross. You can't understand how to be at peace with God. You will have a conscience that is void of peace. It will be troubled and restless. It will be guilty and shameful unless you go to the cross and say, that's the power of God. That's the wisdom of God. That's the plan of God that brings me into fellowship with my heavenly Father. So you'll see that preaching Christ crucified is the meat and potatoes of the gospel. Maybe some people would call it uh, some other staple diet, curry and rice and uh, pasta and all those other staples. But if you come from where I come from, it's meat and potatoes. And our gospel is a gospel that must include a suffering, bleeding, and I'm going to use this word awkwardly, I know, cursed, Christ became a curse for us. That's our message to the world. And that brings me to my three, third point, guarding the discipline of preaching. Guarding the whole discipline of preaching. The word preach here means to herald out. It's like the old town crier. Before they had sirens and electronic ways of spreading uh, alarms, uh, they would have the town crier who would go out into the town square and he would announce the very edict of the king. And they would call the people out of their beds and out of their houses into the center of the town. And he as a crier would sound forth the message of the king. Paul said, we 
preach. We herald forth Christ crucified. This is the good news of the gospel. We preach Christ crucified as the sinner's only hope. It's the only hope. There's none other name. There's no other mediator. The works of man cannot save. All the philosophy of men can offer hope. The Greeks, and especially the Athenians, they couldn't even decide on who God was. That's how far their wisdom went. And day after day after day after day, they debated who is God. And they came up with this statement, the unknown God. There's the wisdom of men. That's how far it can go. And Paul came with his wisdom that is from above of the sinner's only hope. And only the cross has power to save men from their sins. Someone said that morality may keep you out of jail, but it will take the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. And you might have a religion of reality and a morality. That's what, what churches often do. It's a very nice place to go to. They're nice people. And the preacher says nice things. He never mentions sin. He never mentions hell. He never talks about the depravity and the wickedness of the human heart. He never mentions that you must be born again or you'll never see the kingdom of God. It's a nice place with nice messages. But morality will never keep you out of hell. You need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. That's your only hope. It's the only hope. Christ crucified is the sinner's only object for faith. Faith in itself is nothing unless you have an object to look onto. You remember in the wilderness when the people were bitten by the serpents and they were poisoned and dying, God said to Moses, lift up the brass serpent have the people look onto the pole, and they were healed. They had to look upon the brass serpent. Where are you to look today if you want to be healed from your sins? You're to look onto Jesus. But what kind of Jesus? Not a Gandhi Jesus. Not a Jesus who's a moral philosopher. You need the crucified Jesus. You need to come like Thomas with all your doubts, and look into the nail prints in his hands and the wound in his side and come to the conviction, my Lord and my God. The crucified Christ is the object of your faith. You are to have faith in his blood, faith in his sacrifice and his suffering. Christ crucified is the believer's only joy. It is the very wonderful joy of the believer's heart. When you come at first to the Lord Jesus, you want your sins gone. You want to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life for heaven. But as you go on in the journey of life, you need manna. You need food for your soul. Preaching a moral Jesus doesn't bring food to your soul. But preaching the blood, the cross, the substitutionary death, it feeds your soul. You also need medicine as you go on in the Christian life for the hurts and the falls. And when you, like Peter, 
Weep bitterly over your sins. Who is it that will heal the bruised and the broken heart? It's not some institutional Jesus that you need. It's the crucified Jesus who shed his blood not only to save you from hell and write your name in the Lamb's book of life, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and the blood of Jesus cleanseth us from all sin. There's the comfort of the Christian. There is the way back to joy. And if you've got a guilty heart today, and if you've got a broken heart, and if you've got no peace today, there is joy again to be found by coming, trusting, seeking the grace of a crucified Savior. Preaching Christ crucified is to tell sinners of the only one who will be their friend. The world trashes failures. The world turns its back upon the broken things of this world. The Lord Jesus came into the world to seek and save that which was lost. And he lifts up the fallen. You go through the Gospels and you find the many prostitutes that he helped and healed and saved. How many blind men he restored their sight. How many lepers he healed, and they brought countless people to them, and it says he healed them all. He was the friend of the lame and the leper and the unclean. I've got a great Savior to preach to a needy world today. And this church, we preach Christ crucified, because that's the Savior that will do sinners good and bring them to Christ. What do you think of this text now? What do you think of 1 Corinthians 1.23? Have you seen the light? Do you understand something now of the foolishness of the world in all its attempts to know God and to bring men to be right with God? Can't do it. I wonder, have we allowed the cross without having a softened heart an intimate friend sent to Handel, who wrote the Handel's Messiah. And he called upon him, just as he was writing or composing the music for the words, he was despised. And as he came upon Handel, he found him sobbing. So greatly had the passage of the shame and the suffering of Christ affected his heart. I wonder, does the preaching of the cross melt our hearts? I've told you about Dr. Ian Paisley. He had a brother, has a brother, called Harold Paisley. He lives now in Barrie, Ontario, an old man. But he preached gospel campaigns, and I heard of one in the city of Calgary. And a man who was an elder in our church told me, that he sat in those gospel meetings and Harold Paisley preached the gospel and he preached the cross with the tears streaming down his cheeks. The cross melted his heart. And if we have lost anything in this information age, in this secular age, we have lost the tenderness of loving a Christ.
crucified Savior. When did you last weep over what Christ has done for your soul? When has it stirred your heart just to meditate on the Lord Jesus? Someone penned these words, None ever came as far as he, none ever bore such agony, none ever gave so liberally as Christ who died for me. No love so great has e'er been known, no grace so vast was ever shown, no blood for sin could e'er atone, but Christ's who died for me. That hymn writer understood the importance of preaching Christ crucified. My brothers and sisters, fellow believers in my Savior, let us never give up preaching Christ crucified. Some unsaved person here today, don't listen to the wisdom of the world. Don't listen to the philosophers and the psychologists. You need Christ crucified. And you need to come and put your faith in the wounds, the suffering, the blood of Jesus, one-to-one. -one. I've talked about group preaching, but conversion is not a group experience. It's a personal experience. And you must come personally and put your hands in the wounds of Christ and have done with unbelief and say, my Lord, my God, this is my Savior from this day forward. Will you do that? Will you trust him? Will you step out today on the gospel foundation of a crucified Savior? Let me tell you, it'll never fail you. He will never fail you. He has promised, all they that come to me I will in no wise cast out, and he will present us to the Father in glory. That's his work. Trust him today. Come to him today. broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.